This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASE Certified Master Technician. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? I am doing great. And yourself? I am doing great. We missed you last week. Well, we got to have some good, a good repeat. You know, we did a coolant show or a, uh, uh, in the winter. Right. Uh, antifreeze. And so it, uh, you know, it works just as well to have it in a, as an August show, too. That's right. It's getting close. That's right. Um, so today, though, we're talking about suspensions. Now, this show isn't for me, but I love learning. And it's so fascinating to me because you have been a instructor for some of these high school folks who want to have their vehicles all extra special and unique, but there are some things you should do and there are some things you really shouldn't do or you shouldn't do immediately. So we'll talk about suspension modifications today. So what, what, what can you do to, you know, with your suspension? What's the draw for that? Well, Liz, I think the first thing we need to do is explain what a suspension is. A suspension is to keep the tires flat on the road surface. That is what it's for. Okay. And so when you start talking about changing the suspension, you change the diameter dynamics of how the vehicle drives as well. When you start changing parts on the suspension, you know, if you think about leveling a vehicle and a lot of people say, well, what is leveling a vehicle? A leveling, if you look at um, trucks out there, you always notice that the front of the truck is lower than the rear of the truck. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'll right. have to. I'll have to notice that now when I'm at the stoplights. All vehicles are lower, and so what they do, they put a leveling kit on it to raise the front end up with the rear end to make them even. Okay, those are called leveling kits. And what they used to do, you could uh, put air shocks on the rear, you could put gas shocks, you could put different things on the rear in order to lower the rear end and get them level. But now we have leveling kits that you put on them, so you could do that and. Then you got a you got your springs, you got your struts, you got your shocks, you got your different uh, parts of the suspension system that controls the way that the vehicle drives, accelerates, and braking. So when you think about what you're putting on and how you're changing it, because the manufacturer has that vehicle set up for their particular. Uh, particular specifications and so you sort of need to stay in those and then when you start changing you change the dynamics of how the vehicle drives all right so let's start you know whether it's good or bad you talked about the manufacturers when can you modify a vehicle and still have it be in with the suspension in the manufacturer's warranty Okay, well, you know, you notice that most manufacturers have a warranty either three years, 36000 Some of them go up to four years, 50000 Well, within that time, if you modify the suspension, like raise the vehicle, lift it up or whatever, you will avoid 
certain parts of that warranty. The manufacturer will not take liability because once again, you're talking about liability if the vehicle turns over, if it does not brake correctly, you're talking about liability and the manufacturer will not do any of that if you do it yourself. Now, if you go to manufacturers now, you'll see on the lot that a lot of vehicles are already raised up two or three inches. Well, that is a manufacturer lift and they will warranty the vehicle. So first off, if you like that kind of ride, if you like that kind of custom customization, maybe you should not buy a brand new car. You should get one that's a couple years old. Yeah, you'd always want to make sure that the warranty is out so you can make sure that you don't have no problem with the warranty for the manufacturer. Yes. And the modifications we're talking about right now, these are the good-to-go ones. These are ones that you, you do that are possible that if this is your thing, that these are things you should, you can and should do. Well, let's talk about a body lift. Okay, first thing, a body lift is what you're doing. You're raising the body up off the chassis, and that's the frame of the vehicle. So you're raising the body up so you can put bigger tires on it. Okay, now if you think about it, you're putting bigger tires on it. You didn't raise the suspension. All you did was raise the body so the tires do not hit inside the wheel well of the suspension. So there's a, and then you, you talk about that. You're not gonna be able to drive over, uh, logs and rocks, you know, even though you got bigger tires on it, your suspension is still low to the ground. So when you think about that, that's a difference. And that's when you go to a, uh, suspension lift. So if I decided my SUV isn't high enough off the ground for all the off-roading I want to do or my minivan, you can get that lifted you can lift it. Now you're talking about a suspension lift. That's where you're going to change the struts. You're going to change the ball uh, the ball joints in it, the control arms. You're going to change things to raise that suspension up. Now, a body lift only raises up about two to three inches. Up to, man, you can go up to five inches on a body lift. But a suspension lift, you can go up to 12 inches. That means you can bring that vehicle way up off the ground. My mama has a really gravelly dirt road and we've taken out an oil pan in a uh in a saturn on it before so you know sometimes a lift may be what you need even just for regular driving well you think about uh the manufacturer tires are anywhere from 17 inches to 20 inches those are the size tires that are on vehicles now so if you want a bigger one a 33 inch and uh you want a 38 now that vehicle has to be really high we're talking about suspensions today. Our email address for your questions is auto at mpbonline.org. So there are different ways that you can raise the suspension. You talked about, you know, shocks and struts and springs. And there are, are there one kind that's better than the other, or are they just all different versions? Well, there's different versions of how you do it, but you're going to be using some of the same stuff. But you got to understand when you start raising the vehicle, once again, I told you to the whole purpose of the suspension is to keep it on the road. Okay. When you start either lowering or raising the vehicle, uh, just think about the struts. If you don't put a stiffer strut on there or a stiffer uh, shock on there, well, it's not going to keep the wheels on the road. So. The whole idea is, according, you want to make sure you get good parts. Don't go get the cheapest lift that you can find because those parts are not uh, really good. So you want to make sure you get the best parts and start changing them. 
And if it's your aesthetic to be lower to the ground, that's possible? Well, you can have cars that want to lower them down to the ground, and you got trucks that want to be raised up. Now, when you lower a vehicle, what you're doing, you're lowering the whole vehicle. You're not doing anything with the body. You're doing it with the whole vehicle itself, with the suspension. And that means that you got to have shorter uh, springs, smaller shocks. you got to have a lot of different things in order to lower it to the ground than you do to raise it up. Well, I applaud that this is America, and if you want to fix your car the way you want, you can. But we want folks to be safe and know when it's in their best interest to do it and when it's not. Yeah, that's right. Let's go to the phones, and we'll talk with Bill in Neshoba County. Bill, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect today. What's your comment or question for Coach? Yeah, I have a question. Um, I have a blinking light on my dash that indicates that uh, my passenger side um, safety belt is not uh, plugged in all the time. It doesn't matter if somebody's in there. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, got them buckled up or what. So I took it to the uh, shop, and the guy, the guy said, well, I can't fix that, but what do you need to fix it for? You know, if, if it's not a problem... You know, just leave it. So, I don't know. Should I get a piece of black electrical tape and put it over the blinking light, or what should I do? Well, the first thing, uh, is it the airbag light that's staying on, or is it the seatbelt light? Uh, I, it, was, it shows the seatbelt, but it has a, a big uh, bubble on it, too. Okay, that's probably the airbag is what's happening there. Okay, a lot of times what's happening on those airbags is that you have a sensor underneath the seat or you may Uh have a sensor in the dash that is going bad. And now if that light is on, that means that your airbags are not working regardless. Your your airbag system's cut off and all you have now is your seatbelts working. So you got to understand that when you have one of those, the thing is a lot of people don't understand about those check engine lights and those ABS and airbag lights. When those lights come on, that means that something's not working correctly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the reason that uh, shop, I don't know where you took it to, but probably the reason that shop couldn't fix it, they didn't have the exact tool to analyze what was wrong with it. They couldn't diagnose the problem because... Like I say, those airbags, you had to have a special uh, scan tool in order to find that problem and find out what sensor is bad in there because, you know, you got vehicles now that have 15, 20 airbags in them. Okay. Is there a special kind of shop that I should go to or just keep driving down the road and stopping in each one until I find somebody who will do it? Well, once again, um, it's just like trying to find a doctor. You go to the most reliable one that you can find. If you have a good technician that has the updated tools, they should be able to find that problem. And a lot of times that problem just could be a loose wire underneath the seat or a loose wire underneath the dash that's going to that airbag. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks, Bill. We're glad you called in today. If you've got a question, send us your emails to our address, auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about suspension modifications, but that's just in between your vehicle repair questions. Is your car under a recall? I have a list of ones that are. Now, if you want even more autocorrect, do find our podcast. It's on all podcasting platforms for your smart devices. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m., 
with a replay Saturdays at 11. So here's a couple of recent recalls. Toyota Tundras, Lexus NXs are being recalled for parking brakes. Always use your parking brake. Um, Ford Expeditions Lincoln Navigators are being recalled for a blower motor. And Chevrolet Sparks Spark EVs are being recalled for hood latches. Oh, also Ford recalls Super Duty Lincoln Continental over cloudy backup cameras. I think everybody just loves having a backup camera now. That, they what do, do you think? Like, they, they like having backup cameras, but you got to get used to using them because a lot of times you're always looking at the mirrors and it's hard to look at that dash if you're not used to it and watching yourself back up. Well, and woe is into you when you start driving your vehicle that doesn't have the backup camera. You're just backing up. like <laughs> That's right. Ah, 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 and you forget, hey, wait, there's not a camera there. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, NHTSA, N-H-T-S-A dot gov slash recall. Just put in your VIN number when, or you can find their Safer Car app. We're talking today about suspension modifications, but we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a bunch of calls going. Let's go to Johnny in Kosciuszko. Johnny, thanks so much for calling in today. What's your comment or question? Okay, uh, you had a uh, caller a few weeks ago. She was calling about a Dodge journey and electrical problems. And uh, I've had a few here in the shop. And what I find to be the biggest problem with the Dodge Journey vehicles from 2008 up to now is, for some reason, the ground breaks and the car loses ground. And the customer, before she bought the vehicle to me, she did put a starter on and went through a ton of stuff. And I got the vehicle in the shop, and I was going to jump the battery off, and I put the ground onto the uh, ground into the uh, bracket for the alternator. I got in the vehicle to start it up, and the check-in light went away. And I've been noticing that I've had a Dodge pickup truck, I think, in 2008, and it had the same problem. And basically what I've been doing is just going and buying a heavy-duty ground wire and grounding it to a good solid point on the vehicle, and the check engine lights would leave, the vehicle would run, no more limp home mode. And I just thought that was the oddest thing. You know, even um, I had a 2008 Chevrolet Silverado and a 2012 Silverado had the same problem. The ground, it lost ground. Let me ask you a question on those. You know, a lot of times, according to what that ground, you know, they're, they're really not copper ends on those grounds anymore. They're like aluminum ends on them. And, yeah. you, you know, if you take that ground off and you clean the back side of that ground connector, that may be the problem. What's happening, they're getting, that, you know, that flaky white uh, uh corrosive on it that's usually what happens yeah. to those grounds you know uh because the manufacturer you know as well if you run in a shop that the manufacturer has made the cables with withstand the uh resistance coming through there but if it has any type of corrosion behind that connector it's going to do exactly what you're saying i, I tried that I, I took the you know, wire wheel and cleaned them off and it would still give the malfunction but when i went and got one of those six six gauge uh, grounding wires, right? And, and all the problems went away. That's the first thing when somebody has an electrical problem. Uh, first thing I check, I check for ground. Is that I check the, and clean it, and it just, yeah, I just was surprised that it was so easy to fix. Yeah, is that the ground coming from the um, alternator uh, bracket to the engine, or where, or is yes, coming? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they, you have a lot of problems. Like say, 
you got that moisture, you know, we've had a lot of rain, you got all that moisture that gets back behind there, and that could be a problem. Like I say, if it is a grounding wire problem, then that means that the manufacturer needs to come up with a uh, TSB in order to fix those. And that may be something good that you could send to the manufacturer and tell them that you found a problem with their ground wire, and they may send out a TSB to fix that. Okay, because like I said, I've, I've worked on so far six Dodge journeys and it was all the same problem. Well, Johnny, we we hope you'd be part of the solution. That's great. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Johnny. All right. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Now let's go to Macomb and see what DL is up to. DL, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question for Coach Charlie? I've got a 2008 Taurus X, and I'm having fluid um, being pushed out of the uh, uh, power steering reservoir. So it's being pushed back up out of the reservoir. You know, yes. most of the time that's going to be something wrong with the rack itself. You know, uh, like the, you know, you got uh, on a rack and pinion, you got uh, two lines that go across and that has air to keep those boots and all. But most of the time you either got air coming in somewhere uh, it could be the rack, or it may even be, I would like you to check and see if you have a loose fitting on the uh, power steering pump as well, because it's sucking air in order to push it back up. Well, what what I, what I did was that uh, when I picked the vehicle up, uh, they thought that the, that the uh, reservoir was leaking, so I had to put a lot of glue around it. Um, but I replaced the reservoir on it and I jacked the vehicle up and I was still getting getting fluid being pushed out of it. I jacked the vehicle up and uh tightened all of the there's a large uh hose that's coming from the reservoir that's going to the power steering pump. I tightened that hose up, dried it all off, cranked the car up and while it was running there seemed to be it was dripping oil from the top of the uh, power steering, but I couldn't see where it was coming from. Okay, well, so you have a return line and you have a pressure line. Okay, the pressure line is when that power steering starts turning, that's where your pressure is going down to the rack, uh, rack and pinion, okay? If that pressure line is loose, it's going to, it, well, first of all, let me ask you, if you take the reservoir cap off, is the uh, fluid foamy? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's that's air getting in that system. So most likely you may have uh, that line at the top that you're saying on some of those vehicles, especially that Ford Taurus, that you can't really see that pressure line. You, right. You need to check that pressure line. Okay, then I do appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Thank Bye. you, DL. Okay, now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. Um, I have a 06 Dodge Grand Caravan. Love it, love it, but oh baby, it's 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 getting up there. So anyway, we had the oil changed, and we don't drive it that often, but we drove it to Memphis and back, and then you know, maybe a couple days later, it started wanting encouragement to start, <laughs> and now it this is a couple of weeks, and I think we're gonna we're gonna take it in this afternoon, but you know we we when we started every day or every other day. It, it it wants a little babying, but I recorded it, and I'd like to play it. And you tell me what you hear and what are some things I might need to be prepared for when I talk to the mechanic. Okay. 
Okay, first thing on that sound, it sounds like the Bendix are going in and out, like it's not getting a good connection. Uh, the starter itself, there may be an electrical problem with the starter itself. And the Bendix are, and let me explain what the Bendix are. A Bendix are where you have, it's a gear with teeth on it. Okay, those teeth match the flywheel. And as it you crank the vehicle up and you put it on start, those teeth run out and they engage the flywheel and turn the flywheel. Okay, if the Bendix are not going out completely, they will hit it and bounce back. They'll keep trying to grind, and that's where the grindings come from. What I would have you do is make sure that when they take the starter off, because they need to look at the starter, look at the flywheel, make sure that the teeth are good on the flywheel itself, because I ran into it where a lot of times you had to change the teeth on the flywheel as well or change the whole flywheel. So if you just have to replace a starter, that's two or $300, maybe $400 according to where it's at. But if you had to replace the flywheel, that means that the on that particular vehicle, the transmission and the engine has to be separated. And then you'd have to, that's major money. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it's most likely it's just a starter, electrical connection. All right. Starter. So we'll, we'll hope for the less worse. Yes. <laughs> Hope for you just got to replace the starter on it. Okay. We have an email. Let's go. Harvey emailed us. Hey, coach, hope you're well and thanks for your show. Just scrolling radio stations the other day and bam, heard you. Go figure. I have a 2015 Toyota Corolla. Last week it started every time I cranked it up for about five seconds, whether I go forward or backward or sit still. My steering is like no power steering. Then it gets good until I shut it off. That's the only time. I believe it's the steering rack. If it were the EPS monitor, wouldn't the EPS light come on? What do you think? Please, and if I take it somewhere, can they check and tell me for sure what it is? Please, I need your feedback. It will be greatly appreciated. Love your show. Be good. Well, the first thing, Harvey, you got to think about what does the... Uh, electronics, what does the scan tool test? It's going to do nothing but electronics. If there was something wrong with the uh, electronic uh, system, you would put a scan tool on it, you would check it, and it may not, a light may not come on, and it may, it could be a code that is a history code that is inside that vehicle. So first thing I do is have somebody scan it with a scan tool. And then, like I say, you said that it come as you start going, it gets better, like you have steering. Well, you think about another thing is that Voltage. It has electronic uh, steering. That means it has a motor on top of the rack that controls that steering instead of a power steering pump. So it could be that the alternator could be going bad. Could be that the battery may be low. There's a lot of uh, what I would do. Scan tool first. Let them check the voltage, and then they should be able to find out exactly what's wrong with that problem. I hope you heard that, Harvey. And hey, folks, when you send us an email, if you can't listen when we read it i email you back so we got you we got you good our email address where you can send your questions is auto at mpbonline.org we're talking about suspension modification do's and don'ts between your car repair questions i want to get to some of those don'ts now what's in the news i'm going to tell you next Man, we hope you have downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. I was out last week. 
but I could listen to a Mississippi edition on my smartphone, find out about Jackson's water woes. It's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when we, Coach and I were during the break talking about upcoming vacations, and if you have internet coverage wherever you are, you can always listen to our show. You can listen to the news on the MPB Public Media app. You can also make a contribution right. to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. So in the news are NHTSA, folks, the U.S. Department of Transportation's National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, released cybersecurity best practices for the safety of modern vehicles. It's an update of their 2016 edition. The document describes NHTSA's guidance guidance to the automotive industry for improving vehicle cybersecurity security for safety guidance not requirements just not guidance. just guidance so you know that uh, we've done a whole show when when Allison was our host uh, she got she got uh, passionate about the cybersecurity of the cars we'll have to get your take on that on one of the upcoming shows because because these are walking computers. They can be hacked. Yep. We're talking about suspension modifications between your questions. Email those questions to auto at mpbonline.org. It's Jay in Ellisville's turn now. We're glad that you've called in today. Jay, what's your comment or question for Coach Charlie? Yeah, Coach, I got a question. Uh 2003 Chevrolet Silverado uh, had the battery and the alternator checked. They told me the battery was bad. They the alternator was good. But here lately, about the last two weeks since I put the new battery in it, uh, i got to get a jump about once a week. Well, that just goes and tells me that the battery wasn't bad. Uh, what happens, you go to the auto parts store and they tell you the battery's bad. A lot of people, that's the first thing they do is put a battery in it. Well, what I would do is get somebody that has a multimeter and test on the back side of the alternator and see if the alternator is putting out voltage. It should be putting anywhere out between about 14.3, 14.4 steady. If you've got the air conditioner on, whatever, it should be putting out 14.3 volts. Okay, if it's below 13.5, that means that uh, that alternator is going bad. Okay, because it has to have 12, over 12 volts in order to keep that battery charged up. Now, I will tell you, you need to, there is a positive wire coming from the battery to the alternator. You need to make sure that that wire is secure. There's a stud sticking out of the alternator. Make sure that it is not loose whatsoever, because it's the same thing. If it's loose, it will not charge. Gotcha. And you want to check and make sure, does it have, it only has a, one serpentine belt on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you shouldn't have no problem with the belt. Most likely I'd check that wire coming from the battery first and then get somebody with a multimeter or you know how to use a multimeter, just check the voltage coming off that stud. All you gotta do is put the positive side on the stud and the negative side on the alternator because it's grounded and it should read well how much voltage is putting it out. Okay. Appreciate it a lot, coach. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Okay, so I'm not Jay. Um if I am going somewhere that sells batteries that can test your batteries, will they also have this be able to test the alternator? 
they should be able to test the alternator, but you got to understand when the battery goes completely dead, if it doesn't have enough voltage, the alternator has to have voltage in order to work. So if the battery does not have enough voltage in it, that means the alternator's not going to work. And that's a lot of times when they say, if it's so low, they're going to say it's the battery. So they put a new battery in it, they spend that two or $300, and the next thing you know, you got to have alternator. Things to know. Things to know, folks. All right, let's go to Tyler Town and speak with Richard. Richard, we're glad you've called into Coach Charlie's autocorrect. What's your comment or question? Yes, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Coach, I have a 2017 Nissan Rogue. When I initially started in the morning, for three to five seconds, in the old school, I would say a hydraulic lifter, is bleeding down and it needs oil to start it up and that's the kind of noise it makes what do you think it would be on that nissan well you know it still has tappets it's i don't have lifters but it does have tappets in the uh top up for the camshaft uh what is happening that the vehicle is probably losing prime a little bit and the camshaft itself is probably hitting one of those tappets there and uh, making it rattle and then as the oil pressure builds up real quick, it goes away. But it looks like it may be losing prime for just a second, and then it, you once you get the oil flowing through it, it stops. And like I say, that's probably going to be uh, a tappet. Okay. Uh, how do they rectify that, or is it anything to worry about? Well, you, and you said it's 2017. I think I would take yeah. it back in. Um, well, your warranty's out on that particular vehicle. You know, yeah. but what I would do is uh, keep an eye on my oil pressure because they're not going to do it. They're, they're going to try to sell you another engine because they're going to say, well, it's tapping, you know, uh, as long as it, you know, and it's coming from the top of the engine. It's not coming from the front of the engine, right? It sounds like it's coming from uh, outside on top. Okay. Well, would one of those valve covers come in? It sounds like you can hear it in the valve cover. Uh, I can't tell, Coach. It happens so fast that and then it goes away. Yeah, it's just, you know, it may not be anything. It, it's just the oil itself has just lost its prime. And as soon as you crank it up, that oil starts flowing. It stops. That's usually what it is. But if, Okay, I, I, I use a, a, a zero uh, uh, for oil, a synthetic zero, uh, zero 020. That's what they recommend using. Uh, should I go to a heavy oil or... No. No, what I would do is go ahead and get you some uh, Teflon and put in your oil, like some marble mystery oil, something like that, and just replace one of those quarter oils with a quart of that, and that's Teflon, and that will lubricate those parts better for you. And you only have to do it one time. That'll lubricate those parts, and you'll be good. Okay. Well, what did you say it was again? It's called uh, it's called marble mystery oil is what it's called. Okay. And you, okay, well, you'll replace it from one quarter of the oil to one quarter of that, run it, and change your oil like your regular change, and you'll be okay. Okay. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go to Hernando. Oh, let's go to Hernando. Hernando is happening lately. It is. Mike, we're glad you've called in. What's your comment or question for Coach? Coach, uh, Charlie, I have a question for you, please. I've uh, I've owned 35 cars over the last 50 years. Most were manual transmissions. In fact, I raced a car in California. But I now own a little Chevy Spark with a CVT, the continuously variable transmission. Over the life of this car, and I plan on keeping it, what differences much should I watch for? Because I know it's belts. 
uh, and I'm used to coarse gears, but is there anything that I should be attentive to over the life of this little car that uh, I could watch for? Because, I mean, do you replace belts or what? Well, on these type of the CVT, you know, the only difference you're going to feel, it runs a little, you can feel the transmission is a little rough, okay? You can feel that in that transmission. All of them, all manufacturers are using that transmission now on these smaller cars. And the only thing you can do, you can't tear it apart and look at the belts. What I would do, if there's any service on it, make sure that you service it all the time because like I say even though it runs off belts it still has gears in there and it still takes fluid so you just want to make Ah. sure you want to make sure that you check the fluid levels and everything just keep that in mind and if they're if you're not having any problem with the vehicle don't do anything to it because like I say it's just like any other transmission you know you change sometimes the manufacturer tells you to change it at a certain time and that's uh-huh. good, but a lot of times when people change transmission fluid, they have problems. Uh, Honda had a real bad problem with that. Toyota had a problem with it. And what it was is that the fluid lost the viscosity once they changed it. Uh, so, uh, so you want to be careful I'm, with that. I'm surprised because I thought I would hate it, but I really, really like it. Uh, it's an amazing little transmission. I'm so used to stick shifts and it, it, it's a cool. It is a real good transmission. The only thing you find out in these smaller cars is that it may run just a little bit. The transmission may seem like a little shutter sometime, but that's about it. Now this one doesn't. It's smooth as glass, and it it feels like it has gears. I know it, they're now designing them so they feel like they're geared. Right. But it, uh, amazing little machine. They are. Just keep just like I say. Just look at your uh, what it says in the book on your owner's manual, and just you know those things run for a long, long time. Good deal. Well, thank you so much, Coach. Yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Mike. I'm sorry. I was kind of wool gathering while Mike was talking. I've had 15 cars. So we'll have to we we'll, 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 we'll let you tally during the the next break. He's had 35, so that's a lot of cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are discussing what are we discussing? Suspension. Suspensions. <laughs> Suspension modifications. But we're taking your vehicle repair questions. We've got some calls coming in. We've got an email left. Don't forget Coach's Tip is coming up. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from our website, autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11. I'm Liz Gill, but our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Well, you know, we're talking about suspensions and modifications. You know, we just need to make sure that if you're a student or you're going to modify your new vehicle, make sure that you do not void the warranty. Make sure that you talk to the dealership and see what voids that particular warranty when you're modifying that uh, suspension system. Let's go to Alan in Alabama, who's got a comment. Alan, we're glad you've called in today. Thanks for holding. What's your comment or question for Coach Charlie? Well, first off, good morning to both of you, and this is my comment. I'm not a fan of of extreme modification because it changes the engineering. But the modern pickup trucks are so high up off the ground the rail of a standard pickup truck is at least five feet tall, making it almost impossible to reach over and do anything. And the back tailgate is at least three and a half feet tall. And if you actually work out of these trucks and you load fertilizer 
lumber or anything else, it makes it very difficult to use that truck, especially if you are a senior, which I am uh, six foot tall and reasonably healthy. But you can take those trucks to any standard shop that does a few modifications and drop the uh, height of the bed about six inches at the axle, and it is extremely more accommodating to anyone who has to load and work out of that truck. And I drive the biggest thing on the road uh, at work, but in your personal life, the, the market is just making them so tall and big that it's extremely hard on anybody but the biggest person in the world to, to work with those trucks. So especially for a senior person that likes to use this truck out there on the farm or house, a simple drop of six inches at the axle of that rear bed, uh, it accommodates that person tremendously. And it's not something that's going to hurt the engineering of it, but it's a tremendous assistance on your back, your arms, shoulders, and being able to use the truck in general. Yeah, that was my comment. Yeah, I was looking at that. You know, uh, in my class, when I would talk my class, it seemed like all those young men would come in there and they would want to raise those vehicles as high as they could. Well, guess what? It's not for them to be getting in the back and to work out of. It's mostly aesthetics was what people want to see for those young guys. But I understand exactly where you're coming from because it's hard to reach over in the back of a vehicle and get something out of it if it's so high. Well, and I'm going to put this out to our, our listeners. We had a caller a year or two ago, and she cleaned houses. And she was looking for a truck that she could, you know, reach into the back to get things out. I'd love to hear, I don't remember what her name was, but I would love to hear from her to see if she found anything and if she'd thought about lowering the the bed. Alan, thank you so much. We we appreciate you coming calling in with that, with that tip. Speaking of having what your kids want to do for some of their modifications. What are some don't, 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 don'ts? You know, there's some easy modifications that people try to put on their vehicles. They try to put like clamps on their coil springs. They put blocks in their coil springs. You don't want to do any of that. You know, we used to be able to do that all the time. You could put little screw things in your uh, uh, coil springs. And what it was doing, it was making where the, you could lift it up where the springs wouldn't fall down, where they wouldn't collapse. Because what it is, like I say, they're making it a stiffer ride, and it would make it raise up a little bit. But you want to be careful about doing that. You want to make sure that you use good parts if you are going to modify it. You need to make sure that, uh, you know, if you get it up so high, a lot of times these people lift the vehicle up so high, and they don't really know what they're doing. They, you know... They get the wrong control arms, the upper and lower control arms on them, and they just and then the drive shaft has to be a certain angle. And like I say, Alan said earlier, you know the engineering of how that vehicle is put together, brake systems. You need to make sure that the brake systems are going to be, you know, a lot of people don't understand when you put a bigger tire on a vehicle, it takes more to stop that vehicle. And so you want to make sure that the braking system is going to be coordinated with what lift you put on there. Just don't go throw something on there because you want it to look good. Just make sure that whatever you do, that it's very, very safe. All right. And we'll finish the hour. We have an email, someone, another Silverado. Those are popular. 2010 Silverado with a 4.8. The last two mornings after the first one to three left turns, I get the brake traction off swerve warnings after a little while the brake light turns off but the others stay on 
I did the brake warning twice this morning, but it turned off. It doesn't do it except in the morning's first trip of the day. You know, we used to call uh, when the power steering wouldn't work very good. We used to call that morning sickness, but, you know, that's a different story now. On these vehicles, if you think about the traction control light, you think about the swerve control and the brake lights, all of those systems work off the uh, wheel speed sensor. No matter where they are, if they're on the, you got two on the front, if you got two on the back, they all work off the wheel speed sensor. And if there was something wrong with that wheel speed sensor, it's going to cut off the traction control. It's going to cut off all those different uh, components of that vehicle. But what I would do on this one, first thing, I'd go get a scan tool, have somebody get a scan tool and put it on there, see if there's any codes in there that relates to any of that, the speed, uh, the wheel speed sensor or any of the other uh, braking system because there will be some type of light on or some type of code in that uh, computer because anytime it does, it's going to record it. So go back, let somebody put a scan tool on it, let them see what recorded codes are in there. And then, like I say, I would check that. And a lot of times when the, uh, just say if you, you said it was left turns and it does it in the morning time, well, maybe there's something on that uh, left or right side that a wire may be loose or something. So you might want to check that. But really, on the when you start saying that uh, your brake light comes on and your traction control, I would go ahead and get a scan tool and check that wheel speed sensor first thing. All right, we got thirty seconds left. Have you modified any of your vehicles for this suspension? Not my personal, but I've done a lot of them in the schools. You know, I've showed them how to put the uh, springs in there, the struts, the coilovers, uh, even lowered some. You know, what we used to do when I was younger, in order to modify a vehicle, we'd put air shocks on it, and we'd raise up the suspension and raise it down. You know, we, they don't really do that anymore. They make it permanent. Oh, all right. They're they're not uh, interested in uh, variability. All right. Hey, we did get an email today. I want to remind folks on Saturday the 24th, EV Mississippi has a drive electric event. So uh, maybe that's something if you are are interested in electric cars or you have one and you want to join like-minded folks, I will have their Facebook event page on the show information for this show. It's at the PetSmart Tesla at Hattiesburg Superchargers. Yeah, I was thinking something about the EVs, uh, Liz, real quick, is that they're having those fires out in California, and the government's telling them to cut their, do not charge their vehicles. Hmm, Pretty good. Oh, (laughs) that's going to wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Thank you, Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell. They finished Creature Comforts and came and helped with AutoCorrect today. So for Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Liz Gill. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.